0: So now it's time for this.
1: News Talk's executive now my guest chair. this
0: week is Philip Lees, the founder and managing partner of Philip Lees Solicitors. Philip, you're very welcome to the
1: programme. Thank you very much, Bobby.
0: Now I know you went to school in Connaughts, Philip, uh, UCD, fencing.
1: We'll come to all that. But tell us about your background. Were your parents legal people? No, my dad was in the rag trade, uh, not a very successful rag trade uh, importer and distributor. My dad lived for sailing. That's what he did actually. He Is that right? Lived for sailing, yeah. He ran a company called the Lencer Manufacturing Company, which uh, his dad had set up before him. His my grandfather was uh, a seller of shirts and arnits, and he left arnits and set up a shirt manufacturing company. And uh, when my dad took Over That eventually converted to just an importer of goods. My dad has the extraordinary distinction, and he's gone now five years, uh, but the extraordinary distinction of being offered the exclusive agency for Levi jeans about 30 years ago. And he said, this will never take off. So, he wasn't a great businessman, but he's a great father and he loved the sea. And he's very well known in the, in the sea circles. So okay, well, the that's sea. interesting.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. It's always good to know uh, about, about one's family background. UCD, the College of Europe in Bruges. Yeah. Uh, was that, so, obviously you
1: did a law degree
0: in, in UCD. Correct, and then yeah,
1: yeah. and what did you do in Bruges? Well, um, I wasn't a great student. I loved my fencing and I probably did, I occasionally looked at a few women and might have tried to chase them in UCD. So, I wasn't uh, an academic, though my brother was a very bright academic. And so, when I saw an offer for a scholarship to Bruges, I thought, God, that'd be great if I got that. I got that because um, I had a French teacher that had been trained by the SS. No way. Now, that may sound strange, but uh, in 3940, a number of Breton nationalists sought to get independence from France. Uh, and they joined the SS. And this teacher, Louis Foutron, he's now passed, was in the SS. We've got pictures of him in SS uniforms. So he trained us to speak good French. And so I wasn't a good academic, but I did have good French. And in the 70s, the number of law students who could speak fluent French was zero. So I got into the College of Europe because I spoke French, thanks to Mr. Louis wow. Foutron.
0: Wow, okay. And that brought you to that all sorts of places. Of yeah, yeah, yeah very much. And then um, you, you worked in, with Irish Shell... You worked, um, I think, you worked with in, in the banana business. Was this a legal role within those companies, or, or what did you actually do
1: there? Uh, I joined as uh, uh, Irish Shell's in-house lawyer. They realised I was a crap lawyer, then they wanted me to be a manager. So for a, for a period of time, I was trained as a manager with a view to going abroad with Shell. Okay. And they sent me over to London, where my job was to rent oil refineries anywhere in the planet. So I went off to Mexico to uh, uh, to hunt um, to. Uh, Trinidad Tobago Nigeria America uh, renting oil refineries and we would manage the risk because at this stage of the mid 80s suddenly oil had become very volatile and so we would hedge forward and manage risk for oil refineries I was doing that uh, and having a very glamorous life it was Thatcher years we flew off to exotic places on business class flights but I missed law, and there was a little part of me that said I wanted to be a lawyer. So um, I eventually joined a law firm in London, and I was working there for about a year when David McCann, who's the chief executive of FIFES, knocked on my door and said, David, Philip, I've got problems in Honduras and Guatemala. And it was getting very hot, literally very hot. There was people killed. There was people coming onto the boat to the AK-47s. There was trains being derailed, and they needed to try and solve the problem. And I had a good background in European competition law, and I knew the European institutions quite well. So I joined them. In theory, for three months. That three months became about four years. And I spent a lot of time in Honduras and Guatemala trying to sort out the problem of the massive power the American banana companies had in Honduras and Guatemala and Colombia. And FIFES was the very first a non-American company to, to put to try to establish a foothold in Central America and that uh, arrival was not welcomed by the American companies. I and see. Appeared, a bit like the Chicago gangsters, it was really quite wild. I had a bodyguard, a uh, special forces bodyguard went with me everywhere. Uh, I worked at the head of the banana industry over there, the independent banana industry. Both of them were told that when this was over, they'd be got. Both of them were got. Both of them were killed. Uh, when this well, issue was over so it was quite real and quite, quite serious And there was a whole lot of
0: corporate stuff as well around Chiquita and mergers and acquisitions in other words it was a that banana
1: business the complexity of it yeah. is a huge business It's a fascinating it? story Yeah uh, The McCann family Fife's bought the Fife's brand from Chiquita known as United Brands before that and they were curtailed to Ireland in the U- in UK because they didn't give them the trademark rights to the Fife's name which was very no- well known in Europe Wow And actually you may not know it Bobby, but brands for bananas are very important. Now you probably understand brands better than anybody else, but brands on bananas are very important. So we had a big battle to try to grab back the trademark fifes to use in Europe from Chiquita and we had a complaint to the European Commission, which they supported and eventually negotiated a transfer for very little money of the Fife's trademark to the McCann or Fife's family so they could export their bananas into Europe. And they now, as you know, that's a massive Irish success yeah. story.
0: No, it absolutely okay. is. Th- what, setting up your
1: your own law practice then. When did that come about? That was 93. Okay. Uh, bear in mind, I'd really never operated as a lawyer in Ireland. I'd no Irish clients and hadn't been living in Ireland for about eight years. So right. it was obvious to set up a practice on your own in Ireland. But that's what I did. I said to Una, my wife, listen, you know, I'd give a chance to join a large law firm if I wanted to, but I'll try my own business. I'd love to have, try and do that. If I don't succeed, I'll always knock on their door. So uh, 25 years later, I haven't knocked into their door yet. Uh, And 25
0: years later, we're talking 127 staff, 50 solicitors uh, with offices in London, San Francisco and Brussels. How important are those
1: international offices, Philip? Probably not that important. They're more an inward. Certainly San Francisco is to attract inward FDI. So we're selling Ireland. And as we sell Ireland, we sell ourselves. And we work very closely with the IDA. Uh, to bring in uh, american companies to to the ireland as their landing place for attacking europe and that's quite successful in that regard
0: um how are things in the legal in on the legal scene um you know as we talk in in in, in 2018 philip um, solicitors you know they 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 had a pretty long and tough recession uh, there's been i suppose <laughs> consolidation there's been a, a shift and i suppose one of the things about being a solicitor is that you can move maybe from conveyancy when there's a lot going on in that area to to defamation if if, well, if things get
1: bad or how does it all work? I was lucky. The recession didn't hit our firm at all because we weren't doing a great deal of property law at that time. Uh, we are now a very big property team but our firm is a bit upside down, Bobby. We started off, unlike most firms with a large property and commercial practice, with spin-off needs for specialist environmental planning, procurement, construction, IP. We did it the other way around. We okay. started off as specialists in competition law procurement law construction law with a large planning team uh we're very strong in IP so we were an upside down specialist law firm with really strong experts in their field uh, in those areas so the recession didn't really hit us yeah uh, and now we're filling in the center with a very big co- corporate team and a big uh, pla- uh, big property team so it's working very well in the so what, in a way. so what are the plans then to grow the business? Um, well, I always said we wanted to get to around 70 fee earners, which we are effectively now, if I include the trainees, and to pause and look. I think um, you just have to keep growing effectively uh, because the younger lawyers want to have part of the equity, want to grow. And uh, I don't want to grow for growth's sakes, but we're now at a size where our brand is quite well, well known. Uh, and the idea is to get work that we enjoy doing, uh, law is different from most businesses. To get good clients, you need good lawyers, and to get good lawyers, you need good clients. Yeah, and it's kind of that kind of they feed off each other. And we're very blessed in both. So I think we'll continue to grow. Uh, certainly, get up to hundred lawyers, I'd say, in the next three years. We've trebled in size in the last six years. I wouldn't expect that to continue, but I do expect to have good, solid growth over the next five years. Um, Particularly in property and corporate, because our specialisations were the biggest in most of the years where we're strong and specialist. So that can't grow enormously. Um, I've always had an international outlook. So can I move abroad? Can I do something in Paris? Or we've just opened a London office and we have a party in London the week after next. So that's quite exciting, uh, and that has huge potential as well. And is getting talent proving difficult now, or? That's a really good question. Um, for us, we're very lucky. We we wouldn't be as uh, aggressive in terms of fees as the larger firms or in terms of the work life, or the work they expected to do in the firm. So we prioritise a team atmosphere within the firm. So we look after each other and work in teams and we try to get that magic of work-life balance. You know, we try to walk the walk not just talk the talk because all law firms talk about work-life balance but we genuinely put a huge premium on that and there's a very good atmosphere in the firm so our brand among lawyers I think is that it's a good place to work and that is very important so people like to come to us and that's been, that's been, okay. been very helpful
0: Finally I wanted to ask you about fencing uh, you're number 11 uh, in the veteran fencing Robbed uh, I was Robbed. Number 11 Robbed. almost in the top 10 <laughs> so I know fencing has been a lifelong passion did uh Bruce Dickinson who would be one of my uh, my absolute heroes from Iron Maiden is a champion fencer and I believe you've met him
1: I've fenced him I've no fenced way. him many times we've had good old battles with Bruce actually he yeah. had very long hair in those days <laughs> but he was very fast he's a good fencer and a really such a regular nice guy that we I fenced with him in the 80s I was training with the British Olympic team and he was also coming down when he was in London to train with them as well so he was a great guy wow. I didn't quite know how famous he was in those days Iron Maiden maybe wasn't as big as it is now <laughs> but he's a good fencer And what and, about
0: uh, the fencing system seen